Hey, this is George Blaze from WCIU-TV, Channel 26, The U. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1... This is the season. My name is Wednesday. My partner is Frank Jones, the chief is Captain Kellogg. December the 24th, Christmas Eve, they brought in a guy named Grudge. When I heard what they booked him on, my blood ran cold. It was a 409-6325-096704, not believing in Santa Claus. 4.35 p.m. I was working the holiday watch out of homicide with Frank. Hang up your stock on yet, Joe? Yeah, just before I come down. You too, Frank? Always do. Hung it up early just in case I have to work late tonight. Wouldn't want to miss out when Santa Claus comes, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure wouldn't. Be a shame. What you gonna do tomorrow, Joe? What you gonna do on Christmas? You got any plans? Nothing much. Why don't you come by the house, Joe? We're gonna have Christmas dinner. You know, all the trimmings. Mm-hmm. Turkey, celery stuffing, oysters maybe, chestnuts. Mm-hmm. All the trimmings. Cranberry sauce. Love to have you. Mm-hmm. The missus always fixes a plate of relish with them little carrot sticks. You know, olives, pickles, oh, scallions. Most out. folks call them green onions, but they're really scallions. Did you ever Here. notice that, Joe? Ever notice oh, what, Frank? How most folks call them That's green it. onions, but they're really scallions. Every mm-hmm. browser. Scallions. Anytime it's after two, Joe. Browser. Love to have you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll see. Love to have you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll see. The missus always fixes a plate of relish with them carrot sticks. You know them little carrot sticks? Mm-hmm. Olives, pickles, scallions. Mm-hmm. Let's not go through that again. Love to have you. Go through what again, Joe? How most folks call them green onions. But they're really scallions. Oh. You noticed that too, huh, Joe? It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets. This week's show is brought to you by. Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, USA made with a five-year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with better light. And by Sitka Salmon Shares, bringing responsible and sustainable wild Alaskan seafood direct to your door. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Randall threw me off there. Your mics are live. Thank you, Randall. We're coming to you live. He's so friendly this morning. He's got that uh, Christmas cheer going on, and my my response to that, of course, is... Shut up, Wesley. All right, there we go. <laughs> Welcome. Hello. <laughs> uh, hey, have we got uh, a great show for you today. We always have a great show, but in particular, this is a great show because we're talking fish. No, and not Mike Jackson style. We're talking Sitka Salmon Shares um, and the guy behind Sitka Salmon Share, one of the people behind Sitka Salmon Shares, Dr. Nicholas Mink, Ph.D. Well, that's a re- that's repetitive. That's the Department of Redundancy. Yes, the uh, department. And Nicholas Mink, Ph.D., is the chief executive officer of Sitka Salmon Shares. And as you know, full disclosure, they are... 
a great sponsor of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, but as I said in my blog, it makes it a lot easier to have advertisers if you believe in their mission. Mm-hmm. And he is great. And what they're doing is fantastic. It's, uh, it's teaching people um, about sustainable fish, how you can get Alaskan seafood and get it harvested by independent fisher uh, small fi- family. families, fishing families with lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do it sustainably and they deliver it. They flash freeze it, send it to the Midwest. Um, and um, I'm hoping they go national if they can. Yeah. But uh, so Nicholas is here in the studio. That's the best part. Yeah, we'll be talking sustainable seafood, the oceans, climate change, what's going on in Alaska. Right, and and, and that's all connected. We yes. were out in the lobby just now, and and Nick was saying, "So what do you want to talk about?" I went, mm, "All of it. Can, can we everything? Talk, can we talk about like you know the oceans are changing, fish are moving away, things are happening. There's there's uh, things going on in Alaska, laws that are in, in Washington that they're trying to pass and different things. And the orcas are disappearing from Puget Sound, and but they're eating all the fish in the Alaskan boats. And, and fish are moving elsewhere in the world, so lots to talk about. So uh, well, you'll enjoy that. Um, one of the other things we want to do is remind you that next week is the Christmas show, and uh, as such... One of the things we will have on the show is... Real butter. I think, well, maybe not that. I'm not sure. Well, maybe in the studio yeah. and the cookies. But, <laughs> but uh, we are doing, for the umpteenth time, uh, the live version of It's a Wonderful Slice of It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, Peggy will be doing that. Ron Cowgill has, has stepped up. He will be in the cast uh, Andrew, who's not here today, he's singing with his choir, so I, I got to give him a pass for that. We'll be part of it. Randall, I think we're going to have a role for you in there. Uh, Ellie is deserting us, and we she's, she gets no love from us today because she won't be here next week. So we'll have a bunch of folks. We do. Oh, and maybe Bill Turk. It depends on how he's feeling. Uh, love to have him in, but uh, I got to talk to him about it. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens. So, uh, and the other thing. Speaking of Bill Turk, last week we talked with him and Nick Romano about collecting tents and blankets and perhaps even jackets. If you've got them, please write to me, Mike at MikeNovak.net. My friend Mark called me. He's a listener. Hi, Mark. Shout out to you. Um, we, We need more people. I'm getting to you. Anyway, we'll be right back with Nick Mink. This is Peggy Malecki. The end of summer doesn't mean the end of growing season. That's when I bring tropicals, scented geraniums, and herbs onto my porch, plug in my Happy Leaf LED grow lights, and watch them thrive all winter long. 50,000-plus hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA made. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code MIKE. Happy Leaf LED grow lights, summer light in the middle of winter. From boat to rooftop. Ho, ho, ho. Yep, enjoy wild Alaskan seafood harvest this holiday season or give it as a gift. The Sitka Salmon Shares Holiday Box includes the highest quality sustainable seafood items for you and the people on your gift list. Keta and Coho Salmon, Pacific Cod, one grilling plank, two specialty spice rubs, one pin bone removal guide, and three holiday themed recipes. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. Happy holidays from their fishing families to yours. 
This is Mike Novak. The song says it's the most wonderful time of the year, unless you're homeless. And I'm Bill Turk. It's hard to know what to do, but you can design a care kit for people in need, something that will do some good in the short run. And I'm Peggy Malecki. The number one item people need is good socks, high-quality wool or thermal. Hats, gloves, and scarves are also important, along with hygiene products like deodorant, body wash, toothbrushes and toothpaste, Band-Aids, lip balm, wet wipes, even nail clippers. Food products can include high-protein snacks, easy-to-open tuna, crackers and peanut butter, applesauce, granola bar, or fruit rolls. And I put everything in a one-gallon Ziploc bag. And if you can, make a connection. Offer a smile or even your first name. And don't forget to include some feminine products, too. You're not changing the world. Just making one person's world a little better for a little while. Of course, that's reminding me that Randall still has not brought pierogies in. That's right. Uh, yeah, this is uh, from the. I have had this CD for a long, long time. The Patrick Henry Show, and it's Christmas polka style. Vlad's you got run over by a reindeer. Okay. Oh, Randall's not going to speak to us anymore. Okay. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And we are so pleased to have standing here in the studio Nicholas Mink, uh, Chief Executive Officer of Sitka Salmon Shares. This is a, we've talked several times, once live at the Good Food Expo. They used to call it the Good Food Festival, um, uh, uh, put on by Family Farmed. Dot org and uh, and then we talked uh, earlier this year um, and we waxed poetic on a lot of different things and we're going to get into some of those things right now but first of all welcome and um, I got to thank you for being a sponsor of the show it's great oh you're welcome it's great to be in am I in Evanston or Wilmette I get confused <laughs> Evanston. Evanston it's great to be in Chicago land yeah well you know and this is going out all over Chicago so uh, and to other areas of the country that's as well. right that's true because I told my mom to stream it she's oh. in Louisville excellent hi mom hey and uh, <laughs> and we're we're in Las Vegas and Rapid City, South Dakota, and State College, State Pennsylvania, Kitt, Sarasota, Florida, and many more to follow. So um, that's where folks are listening to us as well. Um, and tell us a little bit about Sitka Salmon Shares. I was stumbling through it uh, in the in the first segment here, but what's how did this concept come about to do this company? Uh, I moved to Alaska 10 years ago to help protect and uh, promote the fisheries up there, and we we, uh, immediately stumbled on an idea with a few fishermen that one of the best ways to protect and uh, promote these small-scale salmon fisheries was to um, tell its story and to sell it. And and so, um, you know, in the last eight years, we've grown from a couple fishermen to a couple dozen fishermen. And a few hundred uh, CSF members to a few thousand, and it's a it's a community supported fishery. So if you know anything about community supported agriculture, it's a very similar concept. Uh, people buy uh, a share of the harvest from one of our uh, twenty boats, and uh, we uh, have a little processing plant in Sitka where we cut it into portions and and uh, flash freeze it and ship it down to uh, to just outside of Chicago and Galesburg, where we. 
uh, do all of our secondary packaging and our boxing, and mm-hmm. we put it together with a nice newsletter and recipes for the month, and then it shows up on people's doorsteps, fish directly from the fishermen. It, it sounds like it's very involved and that there's a lot of distance in this whole thing. I mean, you're going from Alaska to Galesburg, but then you're going out around the Midwest, and you include, what, the states of Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota a little bit? Yeah, we're we're in most of the Midwest uh, now. I mean, we have our own home-delivered uh, program in Chicago mm-hmm. and Madison, Milwaukee, but we, we drop ship to, to most of the rest of the Midwest, meaning we can get fish to you with FedEx. And you've got distribution centers in what Madison, Wisconsin, Schaumburg, yeah. Illinois. Yep, yep, and then and then Galesburg. So okay. we do all of our home deliveries in Wisconsin out of uh, out of Madison, and okay. then we do all of our uh, home deliveries in Chicago out of Schaumburg. And I have full disclosure here: I have a share, and um, it is some of the best fish I have ever tasted in my life. And you, and you don't know that until you get it. You don't you don't understand the difference until you actually get the product because I've bought frozen fish before. Um, I like I love salmon, and uh, we got this share, and the first time we took it out and fixed it, and we did very little. It was like you know, uh, garlic and lemon and butter and very simple, and we just thought, oh my goodness, this is unlike anything we've ever eaten. Yeah, seafood is just one giant market failure after another, right? Whether whether it's whether it's quality, whether it's sustainability, yeah. whether it's uh, you know fish fraud, and there's all sorts of things you should be doing to a fish when it's pulled out of the water that just the current industry doesn't do as it relates to creating a quality product. And um, you know, unfortunately, um, industrial fishing methods and industrial aquaculture methods don't uh, don't allow that to happen, and so. Uh, most of the time, people don't like fish. I I, uh, I was just talking to um, uh, a couple of friends, and and you know we were we were uh, discussing that. You know, imagine if two out of every ten gallons of milk we bought at a grocery store was bad. <laughs> and it's kind of crazy that we wow. that that we uh, do that with fish. You know, you know, probably one out of every five pieces of fish you get at a grocery store is kind of. Eh, I don't really want to eat this, and uh, <laughs> and there's really important reasons in the supply chain for that, and and uh, really it all goes back to who's harvesting the fish, and right. the, mm-hmm. and and creating. Although it's a three thousand mile supply chain that we have, it's relatively simple. It's very direct. Um, there's not middleman after middleman after middleman. Everything stays within the company, and that just allows us to have this kind of laser focus on quality and sustainability. Which, in 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 some ways, you should have a, a fish that tastes unlike anything else that you would buy anywhere. Yeah. You what, may, oh, go ahead. What what makes the difference in, in how a commercial, large commercial o- operation or an aquaculture versus a small fishery? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple big uh, reasons. Um, one is most fish are heat damaged, meaning uh, most... Um, most large-scale fisheries, you know, hold fish at 40 degrees, mm-hmm. and the supply chain is like an 8 to 14-day supply chain. I mean, our fish are all down to 30.9 degrees within 45 minutes. Um, everything is is processed on board the vessel. So obviously the first thing that goes bad in any fish is, uh, you know, the blood and the guts, and, mm-hmm. and you know, you have to get all that out immediately. Yeah. And uh, for most large-scale industrial fisheries, that doesn't happen. Um, and then we have some proprietary fra- flash freezing processes in place that bring our fish down to 80 below, um, kind of almost cryogenically frozen so that, you know, the decomposition of that, this really perishable and delicate product never happens. Um, 
And with large-scale industrial fisheries, fish are caught in giant nets by the ton. They're not cleaned. They're not uh, made cold. They're delivered very slowly. Um, and all of that basically creates the kind of fishy, decomposed, degraded um, fish that most people are used to, to eating. Yeah, smell, you, texture, yeah. taste. You, <laughs> you mentioned last time you were on the show that if you buy frozen fish, there's a likelihood, a good likelihood, that it will have been that way for over a year. Oh, yeah, yeah, at least a year. And it will have, uh, there's an even better likelihood that it was shipped to, to China uh, where it was uh, defrosted, uh, cut into portions, refrozen, and shipped back to San Diego. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the typical supply chain is your fish is, is over eight, 18 months old, I would say. And then it's, it's uh, traveled. Uh, at least from Alaska to Seattle, Seattle to China, China to San Diego, and then sits in a warehouse, and then eventually gets to your to your grocery store. Um, often months later. What about the the catching of the fish? The your uh, fishing families use lines, right? Yeah, I mean everything that we can catch on hook and line is caught on hook and line, and that's just it's the most ecologically sensitive way mm-hmm. of doing it, right? We. Uh, there's some some studies that suggest uh, we leave four out of five fish in the water. Uh, so when our guys put their their hook and line down there, they catch 20 percent of the fish, and the other 80 percent are able to reproduce uh, that mm-hmm. population. And and when you uh, buy from a larger net fishery, which is the the vast 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 majority, 90 percent of the globe's uh, wild fisheries, it's you know you are indiscriminately catching everything uh, that's mm-hmm. uh, being uh, scooped up by that net, and obviously that's not a very good thing for our oceans. It's not a very good thing for our fish, and it's also not a very good thing for fishermen who want to do do things the right way because it creates a lot of disincentives in the market. You said you went to Alaska to backtrack a little bit here. You said you went uh, ten years ago to change or to help the 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 fisheries up there what were csfs a thing at the time yeah i think most people think the first one started about 10 years ago uh in uh maine um and so they were very 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 new um and uh we actually worked uh, there's actually two Sitka CSFs. There's one that operates locally called Alaskan Zone, ah. and they sell to uh, folks largely in southeast Alaska, and we worked with them. Uh, they launched, I believe, two years before we did, mm-hmm. and uh, we launched this Midwestern model that was largely um, uh, taught to us by what they were doing. So it's a relatively new thing, um, but now there's uh, 400 of them. And um, they reach from coast to coast. It's uh, obviously they're uh, like with farmers. They help share the risk for fishermen. They help get fish. Uh, they help get consumers better quality fish, and they help uh, improve the livelihoods of these you know small scale artisanal style fishers that still exist uh, in a lot of places uh, in the United States, but have a pretty doggone uh, hard time competing against uh, the industrial. Uh, fisheries model, which you find at most grocery stores and in, uh, um, you know, most anywhere where you buy fish. Well, that's part of the economics of it. How else is this sustainable for the fishing families? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to know. One of the crazy thing is people don't understand. A lot of fishermen don't know what they're going to get paid for a fish when they deliver it to a large processor. They might not find out for weeks or months 
and our fishermen know what they're going to get paid. They know months in advance that what they're going to get paid. It's uh, We remove a lot of volatility from the market. We work with our fishermen to give them short-term uh, loans to start the season. Um, and and for them, it allows them to perpetuate this sort of smaller scale artisanal lifestyle that they've always had. You know, remember people have been. I mean, the Klingit have been fishing in Sitka for you know tens of thousands mm-hmm. of years, but uh, commercial fisheries have been uh, have been in Sitka for you know 150 and. Uh, it's only been in the last 30 years that technological innovation and large-scale industrial aquaculture and large-scale industrial fisheries have like profoundly eroded the way in which these small-scale fishermen can do business. Um, and you know, this is a response to that. And what we do is we set up a very viable, clear, just market for them to sell their fish directly to people who appreciate it, mm-hmm. um, and they love it uh, as much as uh, our members do. And that you know, all of our all of our boats want to <laughs> they 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 want to know who's at the end of their line. They want to know that people appreciate their fish instead of having to sell to a big commodity market. Uh, one of the things we want to talk about is uh, your holiday box, the holiday Before box. Before we go to the break, yeah. Yeah, because we were going to give one, away one of the holiday boxes, and today is the last day to order. If you don't win this uh, on the show, and you probably won't because only one person is, um, you have one more chance to order the holiday box. and it's, it, in, it includes a couple of types of salmon, Pacific cod, a grilling plank, Two specialty spice rubs, you said, from a local company, uh, one pin bone removal guide, and three holiday-themed recipes. And I'm telling you, you've never tasted salmon until you've tasted Sitka Salmon Shares. It's uh, it's amazing. And this might make a great gift for somebody as well if you don't want it for yourself. And you have until 11.59 today. That's what they tell us. Uh, <laughs> You're marketing people, Nick. That's, yes, that's what they've told me, 1159. <laughs> go to com to order that. Right. But, but, but if you want to win one, Nick has a question. That's right, and and you have to call. You'll have to call us at uh, 877-711-5611. 877-711-5611. You have to answer it on the phone. So you Facebook people listening on Facebook, you have to pick up your phone and you got to call in if you want uh, Sitka salmon share. So, what's the question, Nick? Uh, what is the so I get to ask this? Uh, <laughs> what is the largest of the six wild Pacific salmon species? What is the largest of the six? Uh, Just in, wild, term, in terms of weight yeah, and size. Weight and size. Yeah. yeah, weight and size. The largest of the six wild salmon species. Yes. Eight seven 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 eleven fifty six eleven. Um, we've got a couple of minutes before we uh, we hit the break, um, and uh, we want to. Uh, we're going to. The conversation is going to go wherever it goes here. But one of the things that Peggy and I have been looking at is uh, climate change in the oceans. And when I put my blog to, together, Peggy sent me this great article she found from Reuters, and I had not been aware of this series. Um, and they're looking at the oceans and how things are changing, but that's really changing the way uh, we fish uh, in not just uh, the United States, but the, the entire world. Um, so what is, what's the basic effect of climate change? I know it's, it, when it warms the oceans, the fish move generally to cooler water, at least a lot. Do all species like cooler uh, temps or are there warm uh, oh yeah there's there's fish. there's there's warm water species that are moving up into Sitka in new ways and 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 yeah I mean uh, 
the oceans are warming faster than the land, and Alaska is warming faster than the uh, the rest of uh, the lower 48. And so, um, you know, as a company um, and as fisheries managers, it's it's definitely something that we are going to have to be grappling with. Uh, over the next few decades if we want to continue to eat from the oceans because uh, fish behaviors um, are going to continue to change. They're going to continue to um, move around in brand new ways. And, and I think it's uh, it's probably a good thing we can discuss after the break, right? Uh, yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> I heard the music. He gets it. I heard the music. He gets it. You, you, you're going to take over this radio show when I'm done here. All right. 877-711-5611. We want to give away a holiday box. Sitka Salmon Share. Give us a call. Tell us the largest wild salmon. We'll be right back. Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, What to Do in the Garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Open Lands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connections to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from your childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse their collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. That's tree-stories.org. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is Puckle Bell's Chickens. I was going to say it was Chipmunk Chickens. No, these are, this is being performed with rubber chickens. Uh, and this is uh, a group called 
two set violin or is it two violin set i don't remember it's it's all over the inner tubes and it's this guy squeezing a rubber chicken and there's four screens and you can see the whole <laughs> taco bell chicken so there we go. Okay. It's not not <laughs> quite holiday, but I had I had to put that in there. Welcome back okay. to the <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, Nick Mink is in the studio. Hey, we have uh we have a winner, Ellie. All right, do we have a name? Can we can Mary. we let's talk to Mary. Mary, you're on the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. How are you doing? Oh, uh, hi Mike. Hi Mike, I'm doing fine. I assume you I'm exci- Sorry, go ahead. I'm excited. I just won. <laughs> yes, you did. Let's uh, let's give her a ding. Um, uh, I assume you you like salmon. You like fish. Yes, I do. Fantastic. A lot. <laughs> well, uh, you're going to get the uh, the holiday uh, package. The holiday. What do they call it? The kit. The holiday box. The holiday box. Limited edition. Holiday. Limited, Limited edition. edition. Which is uh, and if you if you, anybody else wants to order, you got to do it by uh, midnight tonight, which is uh, okay. the date uh, today is the 16th, in what? case anybody's listening on tape delay. Where are you listening, Mary? Well, I appreciate that. That's very nice. Uh, I, we will certainly enjoy it. Where are you uh, listening? The first time I had... What? what where are you listening from? Uh, Park Ridge, Illinois. Okay, fantastic. Uh, we didn't say the, she didn't say what the oh, answer yeah, was. Yeah. This what, is what important. Is the, yeah, this, see, we got to make sure to we got this. What is the answer, Mary? Vetted. Oh, the king salmon. Yes. All, All right. right. There you yes. go. Winner. And what was the? There were two species actually, right? Well, it's a king or chinook. It's the same species, oh, just it different. Is. Uh, okay, just a... d- d- variation as to. Uh, generally, in Alaska, we say king salmon, mm-hmm. and in Oregon, Washington, and California, they say chinook. Aha. All okay. right. Well, Mary, uh, make sure that Ellie has first, all of. First... Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, the first time I had it was in Idaho. I have friends who live there, and they they made the salmon for for myself and my husband, and that's why I knew it. <laughs> Fantastic! Well, I'm glad. I'm see it comes in handy to go visit your friends in Idaho. I think I will do that tomorrow. <laughs> there's, right. there's still a few Chinook in Idaho. Yeah, yeah. not not up very the, many though. Up the snake, yeah, not like yeah. they used to. Yeah, because they've uh, part of the the damming and all of that has kept the the runs. And that isn't that amazing though that the the runs would go that far inland up to into Idaho. Yeah, these I mean these king salmon or the chinook salmon are are, are fish that are made to do these thousands and thousands of miles runs, and so you know the snake, the Sacramento, obviously the Columbia was the really big chinook or king salmon river uh, that at one time had ten million king salmon running up it every year. And to give you some perspective, that's probably around a couple hundred thousand now. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, king salmon, particularly, are, are are not a very resilient salmon in the face of climate change, and um, their habitat and their uh, uh, has largely been destroyed by uh, urban development and damming, uh, particularly in the Pacific Northwest. There's still some around in, in in and around Alaska. We still have some very large untamed wild rivers, but uh, some of the really important and uh, and amazing king salmon habitat is. Uh, is is largely not uh, viable anymore. Well, great. Well, thank you, Mary. We'll get that um, get the information off to Sitka, and they will get your holiday box on its way. Okay. Happy holidays uh, to you, Mary. You. Thanks, Mary. Good guess. Oh, well, you... <laughs> thank you. Bye bye. Uh... Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 
another satisfied customer. And, and, you know, you're talking about some of the things, Nick, that, um, that we've done. Climate change is one of them, but we've hindered fish in many ways, especially mm-hmm. salmon, um, and in bottling up their runs and making it impossible for them yeah. to, to procreate, yeah, basically. One of the things that we were talking about before the show was the um, in Alaska in the last election. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah. ballot measure one to try to protect that habitat. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've we've done nothing but uh, dam and destroy uh, uh, salmon habitat in most of the lower 48. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you remember, uh, there's an Atlantic salmon, which is now almost entirely farmed. Uh, that had uh, really strong wild runs all in the in in New England and the Northeast through the 1930s, and uh, and they're they're basically extinct as commercially viable wow. viable wild populations there. Um, the lower 48 Pacific Northwest, uh, California, Oregon, and Washington, a lot of that ham- salmon habitat has been declined and damaged, and you know we're seeing uh, the effects of that with that uh, you know the last the southern resident orca. Uh, population that's basically starving in Puget Sound because they don't have enough uh, king salmon or Chinook salmon. And uh, Alaska is one of the few places left to have uh, really good, protected, viable salmon habitat. And um, uh, it just in this last uh, election, the Alaskan voters put to a, a, a measure on the ballot to try to further protection, mm-hmm. uh, further protect uh, these salmon haps, habitats, which uh, right now are under uh, a lot of threat by very, very large-scale mining interests. Uh, you know, when I moved up to Alaska 10 years ago, I felt like our big threat was timber. Um, and in the last 10 years, it's really uh, transformed to mining. And um, Alaskans put a measure on the ballot to protect uh, salmon habitat even further uh, than uh, than what they have up there. And unfortunately, um, millions of dollars of of, uh, of money poured in from outside multinational oil, gas, and and uh, mining development companies, and the uh, spread a lot of it misinformation. And uh, unfortunately, the 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 measure was defeated and defeated pretty soundly. Um, really? So it, it, it suggests that we need to have in Alaska um, uh, constant vigilance uh, to protect this uh, really one last pristine uh, place in the United mm-hmm. States, but also to protect this natural resource that if you just protect the habitat and make sure you don't uh, catch so many of them uh, that they can't reproduce, these salmon will come back forever. Uh, and they'll produce jobs. They'll, you know, continue uh, cultural traditions. They'll uh, make sure that Alaskans, uh, as a state, have a have a livelihood. And you know, unfortunately, some of the nearsightedness of, uh, you know, I guess Americans have always been somewhat nearsighted. But the nearsightedness we're, we're pretty good at being yeah. We're we're good at yeah. near, nearsightedness. I mean, the nearsightedness of some of these uh, large scale mines on these um, really world class salmon habitats is. Um, is pretty depressing. Yeah. So the point being that had the law passed, the waterways would have been protected from what the runoff from yeah mines? we would have, we would, the the state of Alaska would have better protection for salmon habitat and two there would have been more consequences uh, and had uh, these large scale mining interests would have had more liability. Um, in the case of some sort of failure, well, God forbid we get, you know make yeah. oil and gas companies have liability. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. So uh, yeah, no, unfortunately, there's a misinformation campaign that uh, talked about how outside environmentalists mm-hmm. had come and 
um, you know, put this measure and people weren't going to be able to fish and people weren't going to be able to use their ATVs or uh, build houses on salmon habitat, which was, you know, totally not true. This was a, a, a measure and an initiative that was set up specifically to hold large scale mining uh, and uh, oil and gas development interests what, responsible. What's their response when folks say to them, the species are disappearing? Uh, is that they don't care or, or what? I mean, what's, what's, what's the counter argument to that? You know, if you, if you don't give those rivers back to the fish, they're going to, they're going to go away. They're not going to exist anymore. Yeah. I mean, their, their counter argument is that their technology is safe and it has more to do with what's going, this is climate change, but, uh, some of these declining populations, it has more to do with what's going on, uh, in the ocean than it does on the terrestrial habitat. And so, uh, they've pointed over and over again to uh, projects that have, um, you know, largely not destroyed salmon habitat. But of course, there are examples of of, of real huge large scale mining disasters that have uh, the big one happening about ten years ago in Mount Polly, which is a a, a mine uh, on a tributary of the Fraser, uh, which wiped out uh, years of sockeye salmon mm-hmm. in one of. Uh, the Fraser is one of those large, un, largely undammed wild rivers that still has incredible salmon habitat. So, um, you know, it's 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 unfortunate that um, this is where we've come to, but it it, it sort of is. <laughs> it is. Are we still? I, I maybe you don't know about this, and this is this question's out of left field, but you went uh, down this rabbit hole. The effects of the Exxon Valdez. Uh, are they still being felt uh, in Alaska? Oh, yeah. I mean, so that was 30 years ago now. Yeah. Uh, the herring has never come back. Uh, the herring is this real keystone species on which the rest of the food web is built. And uh, in Prince William Sound, uh, the herring have never come back. A lot of the crab uh, haven't come back. And so, uh, oh, that that is still... Um, being affected is still affecting uh, fishermen and, and and coastal communities in Prince William Sound and and people forget that I mean that was thirty years ago and yeah. we still haven't seen some of these mm-hmm. really important fish populations recover and I don't think we've even begun to understand the damage that was done in the Gulf of Mexico no uh, no with no. Uh, with the uh, Deepwater Horizon explosion and I mean that pumped out a, a lot more. Mm-hmm. oil into the Gulf in a warmer area. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we're just going to be paying the price for that for, for a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that is uh, Dr. Nicholas Mink. Uh, he is with Sitka Salmon Shares. You know, uh, we've got 60 seconds here. I'm, I'm going to hold you over. I'm not kicking you out of here <laughs> okay. yet, okay? Uh, if You're that's all right. I, no, I, I drove here just to do this, so I'm ready to go. I have a Christmas <laughs> party tonight, but... I can I can be here as long as you need. Well, uh, we need you for one more segment okay. because uh, I want to talk about some of the issues again. Uh, uh, you know, again, sustainability. But uh, I want to talk about something that you touched on the last time you were uh, on the show, and that is the uh, venture capitalism and how that uh, affects the uh, various industries, including the fishing industry, which you you wouldn't think, but. Mm-hmm. The idea that you have to continually, continually make more and more money can be very, very destructive. Uh, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. You're also welcome to contribute in any way. Call us, Facebook us, tweet us. We'll be right back. And now... 
for something completely different for the season, the Frozen Robins. Oh, holy night. Late December, back in 1 BC. T'was the night of the nativity. What a baby, what a night. Talented, funny, unique, the Frozen Robins are Chicago's number one caroling group. Exquisite harmonies, madcap improvisation, holiday sketches and characters, even a 10-minute version of It's a Wonderful Life. They are definitely not your mother's carolers. Go to frozenrobins.com or contact me, Mike, at mikenovak.net. Because I'm not just a fan of the Frozen Robins, I are one. It's a new year, and Chicagoans are still looking for new and better ways to get healthier. This is Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach our area's growing wellness and sustainability market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 engaged monthly readers. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policies. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Christmas is a fun time. It is a fun time every December. It is also a joy month. I like this holiday a lot. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy. What is that? I have no idea. I just, I've had that for a while. And you had to get it out of your system. I had to. It's just so bizarre. It's so out of left field that... It just got to play. Merry Christmas, <laughs> Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. No! Merry All right, I'll make I'll make it stop. Make I'll make it, it stop. Away. I made it go away. There you go. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, we have Nick Mink in the studio for one more segment. Segment. Then we're gonna push him out so he can go to a Christmas, Christmas party. Christmas party. Yeah. Yay! I'll bring some of your songs. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a real hit. <laughs> Not with that one. Uh, and uh, during the break, uh, the Facebook folks heard this, but very quickly, you were talking about the, the Pebble Mine. Pebble in Mine Alaska. in Alaska, which was involved in this initiative that got defeated. Yeah, the Pebble Mine is, is, uh, is a, a large scale open pit mine that is being proposed at the headwaters of this really important salmon uh, habitat called Bristol Bay, which is the it's the confluence of like a dozen of Alaska's most important sockeye rivers. Um, and one of the reasons why Measure 1 was put on the ballot is because of how profoundly damaging um, a significant ev- uh, event on this pebble mine could be for um, really the world's last remaining big, pristine sockeye habitat. 
um, and that millions and millions, hundreds of millions of, of sockeye swim up this uh, up this bay every single year, and there's thousands of fishermen and mm-hmm. tens of thousands of jobs, and um, that are all being threatened by this 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 pebble mine. Mm. And so that was the impetus for this measure one. All right, let's. Uh, one of the things I discovered um, in putting this together was uh, that aquaculture is uh, becoming a big thing. And I've got a graph here on my blog. If you go to MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net, um, it shows world cap what they call capture fisheries, mm-hmm. which is where you catch the fish, and then uh, the aquaculture production, which is where you raise the fish. And aquaculture production has gone up considerably in the last few years. Uh, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is it uh, in the middle and different? How do you feel about it? So I think aquaculture, there's now more fish that are farmed than are caught. I think they assume that, and so I don't know, I see, I'm looking at your graph, and it's, it's about right. It's about, yeah. e- it's yeah, about that's, equal. That's from the new um, uh, Food and Agriculture Organization, yeah. the UN study. Yeah, uh, so there's about as many fish that are farmed that are caught, and um uh, it's it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. I, I always like to think of uh, the the question shouldn't be about farmed versus wild. It's about production and harvest methods, right? There is some really good aquaculture out there mm-hmm. uh, that is uh, has a minimal impact on the environment, doesn't degrade ecosystems, doesn't have bad runoff, isn't um, you know utilizing um, uh, you know destructive fisheries methods to catch the fish that become the feed for this aquaculture, which Mm -hmm. is one of the big things. But, of course, there's tons of bad aquaculture as well. If you look at, you know, uh, the 150 million metric tons of seafood the world eats every year, uh, you know, probably 80 percent of the wild stuff that we catch is bad and 80 percent of the aquaculture stuff that we uh, create is bad. And so it's really looking past this farm versus wild, um, you know, binary and really interrogating, okay, what makes a good wild fishery in the same way what makes a good farmed fishery? And and the principles are, are, are still relatively the same. Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, uh, not consolidated as a family operation? Is it not degrading the ecosystem that these fish are, are being raised or caught in? And um, so... I think the world needs aquaculture, but it also needs aquaculture that is generally much better than what the current aquaculture, the global industrial aquaculture uh, Like system. anything, it yeah. gets turned into— oh, oh, you know, it just becomes efficiencies and outputs mm-hmm. and capital and, you know, return on and capital invested and— Make more uh, money, and make when more it, money. And when it becomes that, I mean, then you get the degradation of the habitat, you get the you get the poor quality for consumers, and so— and and that's just as uh, clear with, with wild fisheries as well. And so we really, as consumers, have to remain— very vigilant, and I don't think uh, we can rely just on this simple like, oh, wild fish is good and farmed fish is bad, because that's just not really not really the case and not, not a good rule of thumb all the time. And, and the problem there is doing your homework and doing your research and knowing where the fish come from, uh, and, and that's one of the reasons people should buy from an outfit like Sitka Salmon Shares or another uh, – um, Community supported CSF. fishery, yeah, CSF. Yeah, there's there's great. I mean, there's still a few uh, uh, folks on the Great Lakes that market their product, and 
obviously the biomass isn't in the great mm-hmm. in the Great Lakes. It's not there what it once was. But uh, you know, there are more and more really good uh, fish fishermen and who've created fish companies who can get their fish to all places in the lower forty eight. And it's a uh, um, you know, technology is enabling and empowering some of these smaller scale fishermen to transform these mm-hmm. markets. And and to your point, uh, yeah, it's really about doing homework and uh, being able to ask the right questions about you know how your fish are caught, where you're, where they're being caught, who's catching them, and uh, like with you know small farmers, it's always the best option is to be able to ask those questions to the source. It's Interesting, when you get a CSF from Sitka Salmon Shares like I have, and, and I was looking at the box yesterday in my freezer, it has the name of the, the family on there. Yeah. And you say, this <laughs> this was caught by, and they check mark yeah. on there. And you can and, go to their website and then see that family mm-hmm. right. on their website. Yeah. That ain't happening when you go to most grocery stores and grab something yeah. out of the uh, the frozen Yeah, and, and, and the opacity and you know, the general... Uh, the reason we have all these problems is precisely because mm-hmm. of that, because we don't know who's catching our fish and consumers don't know who's catching their fish. And, and frankly, if consumers knew who was catching their fish or who was raising their fish, we'd have a uh, much larger change in the air than we do now uh, because the, the, the ecological practices are, are, are pretty disruptive uh, in both for, for farmed fish and for, for wild. Well, you're also helping the community, though, too, as far as wages and supporting oh, yeah, you local know, industries. What, what, this is another layer of complexity, you know, but all of our boats are community. They're part of a community-based fleet, meaning that these fishermen uh, live in the communities where they fish. And it's one of the most, uh, to me, having a community-based fisherman, which is, you know, not in the lexicon of the local food movement, uh, is one of the best ways to ensure that you're getting a sustainable product because when you fish from a local port and you fish locally like our fishermen do, they have to harvest fish from within about 100, 100 miles of Sitka. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, have to, you have to be invested in the long term uh, in that resource, right, because you are going to live in this community and your kids are hopefully going to take over your operations. Um, and that's just not the case with most uh, of the wild fisheries that are uh, being harvested, where it doesn't matter if a really big boat uh, comes in and wipes out 100 miles worth of fish because mm-hmm. they can move to the next 100 miles yeah. and the next 100 miles. And so having a community-based fisherman pretty much ensures that that fisherman has a real vested interest in the long-term health of that resource. Boy, we could go on. I mean, we, we haven't even talked about extinction of species. We have, we touched on it a little bit, but you know, if you destroy the waterways, you lose some of the salmon, but then there are other species in the ocean that don't go up the rivers to reproduce. Uh, and, and that's the danger of the big fishing, the, the corporate fishing is Mm -hmm. that we, even if we maintain the, the level of just mass, the biomass of fish, we're going to lose certain species, and we don't know how that will affect other species, do we? It's all interconnected. Yeah. And it's it's not entirely clear, even with the best science. Nicholas Mink, thank you so much for coming into studio. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. Today's the last day to get your holiday package, at, but go on there later. You're going to enjoy it. We'll be back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Captain's Log, Stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. 
Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Worf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe? Author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. Aroundtheblockpress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a soup song of humor. Or is that a dash? Call us with your questions and comments at 877-711-5611. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. In this hour of the program, we've got Carol Freeman standing by in the wings. She's a photographer. It's a shame. Well, we, we'll hold up some of her photos. Yeah, she brought the, some uh, large photos here today. And we're going to do a couple of giveaways. We've got more stuff to give away on the show. We gave away Sitka salmon chairs earlier. This hour, we're giving you a wee. A wee? A wee? A wee. We're a giving you a, a wee. A wee. Um, um, a, um, a happy leaf. LED grow what is it there any grow anything anywhere kit I, garden I, in a box oh the garden in a box okay and uh, see I, I should know that because she wrote to me yesterday and said yeah do that and uh, so and if anybody was paying attention to our Facebook post yesterday they're poised by the phone and ready to I dial. hope so because the garden in a box is a great great item and it's uh, again. You could get your plants started, but what we need is the question. We're trying to figure out the question. Um, okay, uh, uh, let's make it easy. We're going to make it really easy, Ellie. Uh, and the Not qu- the one I just texted her? Uh, oh, did you just text her the well, one? Go ahead. Go ahead. Was it the one about the butterflies? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to make it even easier. Okay, so you have to answer either one of these questions. So your question was? Name two butterfly species found in Northeast Illinois. Okay. And I will say name two native trees to Northern Illinois. These would be good trees for you to plant. Um, and uh, either a- answer either one at 877-711-5611. You got a call and you'll get yourself a happy leaf LED. Garden in a box. Garden in a box. So... Give us a call. The two questions are, name two butterfly species native to northern Illinois or, or, see, it's a, or, you don't have to do both, or two native tree species for northern Illinois. 877-711-5611. You get yourself the garden in a box. Um, we've had, oh, I want to remind people one more time because it was very quick at the end of the first segment of the first hour that uh, what we talked about last week, Bill 
Turk uh, of Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall. And Nick Romano and I were talking um, about helping the homeless. Um, I went out and bought baby wipes this week because of what Nick said. So I'm putting my kits together, my little care packages, care mm-hmm. kits. Uh, and I made sure that I got the baby wipes simply because that's what Nick said. They were like the easiest things to deal with out there and uh, uh, a godsend for people. Who... And a pair of good socks and some protein. Oh, we got socks, too. Got some good socks. Some Band-Aids. Some... I did not get the Band-Aids, but, you know, you put what you can in there and uh, put a kit together. You can listen to last week's show. Go yeah. to the podcast at MikeNovak.net. Yeah, still looking for tents, blankets, right. coats. That's the other thing. Uh, if you've got an old tent... If you got some old blankets, again, uh, don't make make sure they're not really dusty. Uh, you know, at least give them a tumble in the dryer. If you wouldn't use them, don't give them away. That's right. If they're n- that nasty, don't do that. Um, but if you got an old tent, an old blanket, uh, or an old jacket that uh, you want to give away, um, we're going to be handing some of this stuff out to uh, folks on the street. Um, I'm going to work it out with Nick. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'm not sure I want Bill out there after all of his procedures. <laughs> it's like, Bill, you just stay home, okay? You just you just relax, dude. Uh, but uh, write to me, Mike at MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. Uh, write to me. Or, you know, if you happen to catch me on Facebook or Twitter or something, that's fine, too, because we'd really uh, like to uh, get more of those items if we possibly can. Um and uh, Nick says he's going out on Christmas Eve, and I, I might just be uh, going out with him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you had you found we had two minutes, but real quickly, you discovered a couple of interesting stories about Christmas trees. Yeah, the it's the ongoing real versus fake. Yeah. which is better? Which is better? And there's a couple of stories that came out in the Guardian and the New York Times saying if you're going to buy a real tree, make sure you bought it local, uh, so it doesn't have a large carbon footprint. Make sure again, kind of like with the fishery, you know mm-hmm. where it came from. Yeah, that it it how were they raised? How much pesticides were on them? Yeah, and that at the end of its use, that you dispose of it properly. Mm-hmm. If it goes into the landfill, if you th- just throw it out in the alley and you say, "Well, the the garbage guys will pick it up," um, it creates methane in the landfill, and that's not yeah. good use. Put it out in your yard for the birds. Yeah. Or get it mulched yeah. to get it to one. You know, the city of Chicago mm-hmm. does. In fact, we need to get that information. Uh, I don't know if they've announced it yet, but the city of Chicago yeah. does its mulching program. And a lot of the suburbs do, too. A lot too. of the suburbs, a lot of the communities do. Find that. out where you can get the mm-hmm. tree turned into mulch yeah. so at least it's not going into the landfill. Well, the other half of the conversation was the fake trees. And yes. are those better? And the general conclusion, which makes sense, if you're going to keep your tree... Um, I've had mine about 25 years, I'm <laughs> counting, then that's probably the greener option. If you're going to buy a new tree every year and throw it away because you don't feel like putting it away. That's a bad that's option. A so if you want that fresh evergreen smell, dispose of it properly. Please, 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 please don't just throw it in the alley. That's bad news. Not good. Yeah. So, you know, even if you have an artificial tree, unfortunately, you got to hold on to it for 25 years. All right. We'll be right back with Carol Freeman. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. From boat 
to rooftop. Ho, ho, ho. The small boat fishermen of Sitka Salmon Shares cordially invite you to give the gift of their wild Alaskan harvest this holiday season. Their limited edition holiday box includes the highest quality sustainable seafood and a selection of small batch items curated specially for you. On sale November 23rd to December 16th at SitkaSalmonShares.com. Delivered between December 19th and 21st. Happy holidays from their fishing families to yours. This is Mike Novak. One of the best salads I ever had was courtesy of a friend who grew it in her living room using Happy Leaf LED grow lights. 50,000 plus hour minimum lifespan, five year warranty, USA made. What's not to like? Whether you're a beginner or a gardening whiz, these lights are the face of 21st century growing technology. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code Mike. Happy Leaf LED grow lights, moving the garden to your living room. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. Okay, you're free to go. I've got to go away. Understood, no means no. This evening has been super appropriate. But I do understand consent. Definitely text her right now. Here's the code, and there is the door. I am gonna stand over here. You are in control of this thing. Invite them over if you like. Say, what's in this drink? Um, nothing but Sprite. I wish I knew how <laughs> Just walk right out the door. I do know how to spell harassment. I, no, 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 I hear you loud and clear. At least I'm gonna say that I tried. I'm trying super really hard. Please just go out, baby. Just go outside. Yeah, that's making the rounds now. It's uh, <laughs> who is that? Uh, I I didn't write it down, so I got to now find it while. Uh, or, or somebody can tweet it or Facebook it to us. Maybe that's the answer. If they can give me the answer to who is this, we'll give them a Happy Leaf uh, Grow Light. That would be fine too. So tell me who's singing the song. Where did you hear this? And Ellie's looking it up right now. Yes, she is. Baby, just go out. Go outside. Is that his response? Yeah. So we we are still. 
offering the Happy Leaf Garden in a Box. We didn't get the correct answer. That's right, 877-711-5611. So you tell me who sang that song or name two species of butterfly mm-hmm. in northern Illinois. Or two native tree species. And you get yourself a garden in a box from Happy Leaf LED. Uh, and look who's in the studio. It's Carol Freeman. Hi. Hi. Good morning. And Good morning. You've got your 2019 calendar. I do. Oh, my goodness. May I? May I Absolutely. have this? I want to take a look at this. I and love I'm that hold... dragonfly on the cover. Yeah. Well, you've got some water. I put another dragonfly on my blog post. Oh, um, from my website. Yes, yeah. from your website, because I just I just love that one, too. So we start in January with the bald eagle. So where did you take that? That was along the Fox River. The bald eagle population has really rebounded nicely in northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. You can find them in the Skokie Lagoons. Oh, look at this. And that is? That's twin leaf. Twin leaf, okay. It's a very uh, ephemeral spring flower. I mean, they're all short-lived, but literally that blooms two days. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and if you don't catch it... When it's blooming, it's gone for another year. I can't tell you how many times I went out there and looked for it, and it was in bud, and then went back the next day, and it was done. Uh, we're not going to go through all of them, but I'm... Snowy egret. Yes. Yeah. Very nice. And how do folks get a hold of this beautiful, beautiful calendar? Well, this year I've uh, donated the calendar to my not-for-profit Team Green. So with a donation of $20 or more... At the Team Green website, www.teamgreenweb.org, you can uh, make a donation to Team Green and get a calendar. So let's take a step back and introduce Carol, though. Yeah. No, I just jump right into the the swag and stuff. But she does these amazing calendars every year, and that's how I first became familiar with Carol Freeman Photography, was your calendar. Yeah, this is the 21st calendar. Hard to believe. Wow. Yeah. That's a long, that's about the length of time I've been uh, doing this show. So there you go. We started about the same time. And uh, and it is printed locally. You mm-hmm. were talking about where things are sourced. Yeah. So I, I like to keep my carbon footprint as small as possible. Also, it's printed locally on uh, recycled paper. So. Oh, yay. Where do you, what company? In, in Barrington, Graphic Arts Studios. They've, really? They've been amazing. And uh, their color work is just impeccable. That's fantastic because it's uh, it's hard to find those places. I know when I was uh, doing my book, uh, it's you you look around and it and it costs more. Yeah. And but you try to do uh, non toxic inks uh, to help the employees. You try to do uh, a place where that's still going to have the good quality. That's important. And you try to put all this stuff together and still be able to afford to do it is is uh, really difficult. Well, that sort of is a perfect segue. I'm actually um, hoping to get the donations for the calendar so I can produce my book, the Endangered Beauty book. Ah, there we <laughs> go. Let me hold that up to the... That's just a mock-up, and uh, I do want to print it locally. So that means higher costs, but um, I want to stick with uh, this printer who is stuck by mm-hmm. me for all these years, and... It's going to mean I'm going to have to raise a few extra dollars to cover the printing. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your overall approach to photographing nature. I take a very zen approach mm-hmm. to photographing nature. It's um, I don't use a tripod. I only bring you know handheld lenses, and 
for me, it's about the connection to nature. And then if I get a good picture, that's the bonus. So it started more as a spiritual journey Mm -hmm. that turned into uh, a passion for the environment. And you've uh, you've got uh, you've covered a lot of the different species that are endangered in Illinois. The last count I saw was four hundred eighty-three. Correct. And um, uh, is it still that number? Well, that number changes uh, every yeah, five it, years. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a uh, four hundred and eighty. When I started, it was four hundred and eighty-three. Uh, they're reviewing it again, so when it comes, the list comes out in a couple years, it might go up a few or down a few. But it seems mm-hmm. to be hovering around that four hundred and eighty mark. And I've photographed one hundred and sixty of them so far. What was the most surprising photograph you got of a of an endangered species? Well. I, I don't know if it was surprising, but the most challenging one I've photographed so far was the Heinz Emerald dragonfly. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew where it was. Mm-hmm. I knew what it looked like. <laughs> I went to the location over and over and over again for about three years until I finally found one perched on some uh, cattails that I could actually get a picture of. So um, that one probably was the longest in duration from start to finish where I actually was looking for it. And I bet you go through these periods where, you know, as you said, you got to know where you're likely to find it. Yeah. And that's, there's no guarantees oh, no. for that. No. Uh, and then when you, um, um, if we got a, I'm sorry, we got a, uh, all right, never mind. Okay. Yeah. Oh, great. Cool. Uh, sorry. Couldn't read your hand signals there. Uh, but, uh, and then you, you, you can do situations where I imagine you you see it and you don't get oh, the photo. Yeah. That's got to make you crazy. It does. It, it absolutely does. Uh, the first time I actually spotted the snowy egret, it was way up high in a tree and a couple shots and then it flew off. I'm like, well, I've got it, you know, good for identification, but not really publishable. So... It, you know, it is. Those moments are uh, really challenging. Well, you're doing this. That that brings up a good point. You're doing this for yourself, yeah. obviously, uh, but you're also doing this, I would imagine, when you documented, we know that the species is still around. That's part of the deal, right? Well, I love to share, and, and the endangered species covers everything. I mean, it's fish and frogs and birds and plants, you know, so the, it covers a wide gamut. And um, I just love showing people the diversity and the variety that we have here in Illinois. When I first started this project, people would ask me, oh, so you traveled to Africa and India mm-hmm. to take pictures of endangered species? I'm like, no, half hour from my house. This this snowy egret was in the drainage ditch behind my subdivision. <laughs> you know? So that, that's they like, can be uh, anywhere. That's like Judy Pollack, who, uh, who gets assigned to, to be in the drainage ditches yes. during the bird counts. Yeah. yeah. Because you that's, never know. that's what's left over for her. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, you don't know what, where you're going to find them. It's I know. Uh, amazing. You don't know what's going to go through your yard at some point. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What What was the most uh, challenging uh, uh, topographical place to, uh, to to climb around in to find a, a species? Well, I've I've uh, photographed some species in the uh, the ravines, which are definitely mm-hmm. challenging because they're very very steep. Along make. Michigan or other? yeah, along Lake yeah. Michigan, there's right, the, the right. ravines are very endangered, and I can't tell you specifically what plant in what region I've been 
Well, we've talked about the ravines mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. because of the uh, the Lakeshore Preserve right? Yeah, up by uh, Fort Sheridan. And one of the great things, uh, that's the Open Lands Lakeshore Preserve up uh, at Fort Sheridan. And one of the wonderful things about that, it's preserving an ecosystem that is one of the rarest on the entire planet, the freshwater ravines. And we just built them up and we use them as drainage ditches. And now we're restoring some of those and, and we're going to, be, probably be surprised at what kind of species show up there. Oh, absolutely. And they're their own microclimate, so you're going to see different things in the ravines. Well, and that's the the beauty of this project. I have, I go out with the people who restore these areas, and I've learned all about the microclimates and what's needed for all these different species and traveled throughout the state. And it's just fascinating what's involved and what habitats are required to support these these varied species, you know, mussels and like fish and birds and plants. Everything has a different requirement. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you're doing all, all the species. All of what them. A, all of them. What's, what's it like tracking down a mussel, you know, and getting a, <laughs> and getting a photograph of a mussel? Well, I, I've built up relationships with a lot of the experts in the field. Mm-hmm. And um, they've, when they find it, they actually will call me up and say, hey, I've got this species, you can come and get a picture of it. Sometimes they've been caught for scientific research, so they're only detained momentarily, so I mm-hmm. run out, get a picture, then they're released back into the wild. So um, it's just coordinating with all these people who've been kind enough to help me. I could not have done this project without the help of a lot of great organizations and people who who support me. Okay. Now, did we get a, a second... I saw we saw had a, uh, we had a couple of winners here. No, we got one. Okay, let's take our our winner here on the line. Hello, uh, mystery uh, winner. <laughs> this is uh, Stacy. Stacy, is that you? This is me. Hi. Hi, Stacy. How are you? I'm doing well. Great. I was not expecting to make it through. Nevertheless, win. <laughs> well, you have. Congratulations. All right. Now, did you have to answer uh, at least one of the questions, and you know what the questions were. What are a couple of species of butterfly native to northern Illinois or tree? What were you going to uh, volunteer as an answer? I said painted lady and black swallowtail. All righty. Congratulations. Um, and uh, you're going to get yourself a happy leaf LED garden in a box. You got? Are you? Do you grow things indoors? Do you start seeds? You know, um, we, my husband and I, we did a butterfly garden last couple years in front. So we started last year. We're gonna, we told ourselves we're going to start growing some of the flowers inside before we put them outside because the weather is so um, crazy in Chicago that you yeah. just don't know if it's going to be hot or cold in the middle of summer or in the middle of winter. <laughs> So, yeah, we're looking forward to starting to grow some seeds indoors and then transfer them out. Fantastic. Well, you're going to like this. You're going you're gonna to love the Happy Leaf uh, LED. You're going to love the results you get. Uh, a full disclosure, of course, they're a great sponsor of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I assume you've given your information to, uh, to Ellie uh, and Randall? I have. Okay. Well, you're going to get that uh, very soon. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for calling. You're welcome. Thank you so much. And and happy holidays to you, Stacy. Same to you guys. Thanks, right. Stacy. Oh, and by the way, uh, where where did where do you live? I live in Schaumburg. Okay. I actually sent you guys a video 
um, maybe a couple months ago, of our monarch coming out of its chrysalis. And oh, right. Climbing up the, and you, flying off. <laughs> that's Yes, I remember that. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. And, uh, and I'm You're so welcome. glad you were listening and you called in. All right. Have a great Sunday. Same to you. Thanks, Bye-bye. Stacey. And I want to give the number out again is 877-711-5611 for the show. Somebody had made a comment uh, looking for the number. So. Oh, okay. It's on the website, too. You can always go to the website. I believe it's on the Facebook page. Yeah. And by the way, uh, the the name of the group uh, that uh, did the baby just go outside, that's the uh, Holderness family. And uh, th- that thing only has a million ninety seven thousand views. So uh, yeah. thanks. Uh, Sue Sue posted that, and somebody else posted it, but I've lost it. <laughs> so there we go. So we've got all our questions answered. However, we have something else to give away. We're just we're in the holiday spirit here. We're giving away a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, Carol, do you want to describe what this is? Sure. That's uh, Team Green's uh, nature trading cards. And there's over a hundred different cards. Uh, I, yeah, I brought the jumbo cards because yes, the jumbo <laughs> version because we don't want to uh, unseal the box. There we go. So there's Look a picture on the front, information on the back, some fun facts. It's great for uh, kids starting at six years and up. There's an activity guide in the box with uh, activities for both younger kids and uh, older kids, and even for teachers for their classrooms. So a little it's a it's a fun a fun uh, box of cards. And these are all your photographs. All my again. photos, yes. Wow, how many are in here? Over a hundred. Fantastic. Wow. That's what it says. It says a hundred plus. So you plus. so you don't know how many go in exactly. You well, just sort of cram them in until you it, stop. It started at a hundred, and then I did a few more, and I put those in, and I did a few more, and I put those in. So it's approximately a hundred and fifteen to one hundred and twenty cards. All right. And this one here has got a bison on it and i'm thinking maybe a bison where in illinois can you go to see bison oh that's a great question all I right can think of at least two places yeah 877-711-5611 877-711-5611 where can you go to see bison in illinois and they're not endangered in Illinois. They're not. <laughs> so these are not all, these are just nature. These are not the endangered no, species. No, it's all kinds of nature. And there's even some uh, invasive species, habitat, cards, um, all kinds of. And by the way, if folks want your calendar, what's the best website to, to go to? Uh, please go to uh, teamgreenweb.org. Teamgreenweb.org. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki Moore with Carol Freeman when we come back. Did you know that a running toilet can waste up to 200 gallons of water per day? In the Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Water is a precious and vital resource, and 750 million people on this planet don't have access to safe, clean water. So let's not waste what we have, okay? According to the EPA, we lose over 1 trillion gallons of water a year to household leaks. So let's fix those leaky faucets, folks. While you're at it, consider installing a low-flow showerhead and a low-flow toilet. And maybe sing a shorter song when you're in the shower, because Americans also use 1.2 trillion gallons of water just showering every year. 
Just saying. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. This is Mike Novak. The song says it's the most wonderful time of the year, unless you're homeless. And I'm Bill Turk. It's hard to know what to do, but you can design a care kit for people in need, something that will do some good in the short run. And I'm Peggy Malecki. The number one item people need is good socks, high quality wool or thermal. Hats, gloves and scarves are also important, along with hygiene products like deodorant, body wash, toothbrushes and toothpaste, band-aids, lip balm, wet wipes, even nail clippers. Food products can include high-protein snacks, easy-to-open tuna, crackers and peanut butter, applesauce, granola bar, or fruit rolls. And I put everything in a one-gallon Ziploc bag. And if you can, make a connection, offer a smile, or even your first name. And don't forget to include some feminine products, too. You're not changing the world. Just making one person's world a little better for a little while. What is this, anyhow? This is your talk. This is America, Jack. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Silent night, holy night, all is gone, all is bright. One of my favorite Christmas carols ever. Tom Waits. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, we just discovered something that, uh, just to let folks know, uh, if they go to the WCGO page to get the phone number, they're going to get the old one. So you got to go to the Mike Novak uh, Show Facebook page. Facebook page or website. Go to MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. We have the correct one there, 877-711-5611. And we, got, we have an answer. Let's go to the phones. Uh, who have we got here on the phone? Good morning. Who? Hi, this is Catherine in Madison, and I'm happy to win them because I'm going to give them to my Facebook friend who has 12 adopted children. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's so fantastic. Now, do you say Madison or Madison? Madison in Wisconsin. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that you're listening in Madison, Wisconsin. Thank you. Uh, oh, yeah. I listen to you, and I listen to my house. I love it, and I tell people about it all the time. Now, do you, do you catch us on the stream? Is that how you do that? Uh-huh. Yeah, online and on Facebook, or, or I go directly to the uh, the radio site. Yeah. Fantastic. We gotta get we gotta get on a station in Madison, Wisconsin. That would be uh, a good thing. We're working on some stuff here. So uh, you should probably look at the the devil the devil's advocate stations that they bought out in Milwaukee, and then they and then they also um, come down to here to Madison. The devil's advocate station. I'm not familiar. Well, that's their that's that's their radio show. The guys who bought who bought the uh, station and who are using it for their show, and then they have other shows. <laughs> okay, so they're essentially. They're what? Uh, they're essentially, they started out as a political show here. Yeah. Um, and um, But, you know, they should expand into some other types of programming, and you guys are great, and so is Mighty House. Well, Love thank you. Here thank you. Locally here. Appreciate that. Carol, what is she going to get here in her little nature card kit? She's going to get over 100 uh, different nature trading cards and an activity guide. So great for the 12 kids. Yeah, fantastic. So you've given the information to Ellie, I take it? 
Yes, I yep. have. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can give her some bookmarks as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much well, for calling. Be awesome. Thank you for listening in Madison, well, Wisconsin. We appreciate it. And uh, have a wonderful holiday. Enjoy the cards. <laughs> you too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I feel like, now, okay, I'm going to give away my parka <laughs> no, that I'm wearing right now. No, uh, that's 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 not going to happen. Oh, is that uh, what we're looking at there, the Devil's Advocate there radio? Um, Randall just put it up on our screen here so we can see it in front of us. We're going to check that out. That's very, very interesting. Yeah. yeah. We, I'm happy to be a devil's advocate anytime <laughs> I can. Uh, we're with Carol Freeman, a uh, uh, wonderful photographer. Uh, she documents a lot of, unfortunately, declining nature. Um, and that includes plants, obviously. Uh, that's, that's an interesting thing because I would I'd imagine that often uh, you could get ca- really caught up in the uh, animal world and forget that nature also includes plants and you you need to be documenting that as well. Well, actually, two-thirds of the species that are on the list are plants. Mm. And a lot of those are sedges and grasses. and So they're not necessarily the most exciting yeah. things to <laughs> photograph, but uh, uh, they're, still, they're still very interesting and have uh, everyone has a story, which is mm. so fascinating. Um, and I'm so fortunate I go out with uh, people from the Plants of Concern who monitor these species. So they they all tell me their story. They tell me about their sites, and I get an education every time I go out and take pictures. Now, also, a good thing is, since I've started this project about 18 years ago, there have been species that have come off the list. And actually, and actually, yeah. Such, such as? Well, several of them in here. Um, in your new 2019 the, <laughs> calendar. Uh, Available. Well, one is the Sandhill Crane. Ah. Hold the. Yeah. Sandhill Crane. Uh, they, they were on the list and they've mm-hmm. been that yeah. de- delisted. We, I've we, seen. We talked Sandhill Cranes a couple of years ago on the yeah. show. I've, I've gone to see them in. Uh, and there's another one in, in Indiana. Yeah. Jas- Jasper Lake. Jasper Pulaski. Jasper yeah. Pulaski, yeah. And then uh, another, oh, the eagle has come off the list. That mm-hmm. was once, we, we saw that earlier. And uh, I've got these small sundrops in here. Has which, it been that recently that the eagle, it, 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 within just, the last just, 18? Just the last the last list it came off. And then the small sundrops also had been on the list. Is that Edithera? Or is that something else? Um, um, uh, evening primrose, it looks it's, like. It's, yeah. this, is Reli- the, this is the small one, yeah. So it is Sorry, native. Didn't, didn't mean to throw Latin at you there. <laughs> She's like Edith. I, I, I couldn't re- last time, but last time I saw that, I, I was judging a garden in our in our garden contest, uh, Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards, and somebody was growing the plant in their yard, and I said, "Oh, that's Enothera," and they go, "What's that?" Yeah. Uh, they, because we don't know what the plant is, we weren't sure what. And then I said, "Well, commonly it's known as," uh, and it, yeah. it, uh, I couldn't, but then. But it's evening primrose. Yeah. yeah. So if people want to get involved, uh, they can join places like Plants of Concern. They can monitor the plants. Sometimes they can uh, grow the seeds in their Mm -hmm. garden and supply the the seeds. And through these efforts, um, reporting um, encroachment of invasives or other management issues, these species have been able to rebound and be taken off the list. So people can make a difference, and they can help. A lot of citizen science involved. Absolutely. 
let's get a little geeky here. What what kind of camera do you use? What kind of what kind <laughs> yeah. of lenses? I know uh, you're a Nikon person. I'm a Nikon person, and uh, I shoot with all the lenses, I guess, uh, from a 60 millimeter macro to a 500 millimeter. Uh, telephoto and pretty much everything in between. It really depends on what I'm photographing. Mm -hmm. And since I've been doing this project for 18 years, my first camera was a film camera. You know, so some of these have been shot on film. I've gone through F6. Uh, are you tempted to go back and redo them digitally or are, do you, are you happier I, with the film? Uh, if I can get them digitally, I try to get them again. So so not only did I photograph them once, I'm I'm actually trying to go out and photograph them again. <laughs> no, that's good. But then, but that's got to be uh, rewarding too if you can go back and find the same species again. Yes, it, but that's also challenging too because it took me all that time to sort of figure out where it was the first time, and it's not necessarily some of these are annuals or biannuals. So where it was when I saw it the first time doesn't mean it's going to be there when I go back again and try to get it or. With the weird weather, sometimes they mm -hmm. bloom too quickly or um, the habitat's not right, the area's dried up. So yeah. it's not as easy as you think. Even if you know exactly where it is, my <laughs> odds of finding it are yeah. slim. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned you work with a lot of different organizations. Now, do they come to you ever and say, "I need, we need a shot of this? Or how, how does that process work of you working with them to go out and shoot something? Well, that's my arrangement is anybody who helps me find these endangered species, I share the photos with them. So Plants of Concern, if you go to their website, a lot of the pictures on there ah. are photos that I've taken that I allow them so to use. So that's how they benefit from absolutely, it as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Same with uh, Rob Carmichael at the Wildlife Discovery Center. He's been so generous with his time. And uh, any picture that he helps me take, I let him use for educational purposes, for his talks. However, it will benefit them. So hopefully it's a win-win for, for everybody. Well, I hope you don't mind that I put the uh, the photo on my blog. I figured you, you wouldn't <laughs> mind right. that because it's, it's such a beautiful photo yeah, absolutely. of the dragonfly. I, I couldn't decide between that and the hummingbird. Oh, nice. Um, and, and, and actually, on your card here, you had some fun facts about hummingbirds. And you've about got ruby -throated. Let me, the ruby-throated. I love hummingbirds. I never see them in my yard. I've seen exactly. I've been there now. Uh, um 18 years, and I've seen a hummingbird exactly three times in my backyard, and it never stayed for very long. Yeah. And they I, move and fast. I, they move fast, but once it, w it was attracted to um, a red balloon that had burst and was <laughs> hanging on a wire, uh, on a power wire, and it came up to it and went, oh, uh, wait a second, that's a red balloon. Okay. <laughs> uh, the ruby-throated hummingbird, and, and here's the uh, photo. Let's wait. Get up here. and go. There we go. <laughs> And, and um, uh, wow factors. Like other hummingbirds, the ruby throat can fly forward, backward, and vertically. It's a hovercraft. Um, the ruby throat's heart beats up to 1,200 times per minute. If nighttime temperatures get too low on its northern breeding grounds, the ruby throat can slow its heartbeat to conserve energy. Wow, very zen. It is. You wouldn't think that a hummingbird is zen, but uh, I guess so. Um, and these are all in that uh, they're pack. All, they're all in the nature. Those are blown-up versions of some of the nature yeah. trading cards. 
I see a snowy owl yeah. in that All right. collection Let's as fight. well. Yeah. Um, have we been have snowy owls oh. been spotted so far this year? Snowy owls have been spotted in northern Illinois. Uh, that one I photographed many many years ago. That was one on film mm-hmm. uh, shot at Montrose Harbor. Okay, they like oh. the lakefront and they also like the cornfields out yeah. by DeKalb. So they've been spotted out there. This I'm, year already? This year already. Okay. Yeah. Really? I have yeah. yet to see one. I keep. Yeah. I go to the lake frequently, but well, the winter birds one. have started arriving. Mm-hmm. I've seen pine siskins and uh, common red poles and um, red-breasted nuthatch. So we've got a nice eruption of some of the more unusual winter birds are here. And, the, and you can see them at the Botanic Garden, Chicago yeah. Botanic Garden. Botanic Garden, oh. Illinois Beach State Park. Illinois Beach. Uh, the Grove has a, a nice... Uh, uh, they've got bird feeders. Wherever you've got bird feeders in the winter, you'll see the, mm-hmm. the birds. What's, uh, what's your latest challenge? Oh, um, there's so many. I, you know, I'd like to get some more of the fish. You know, the fish ah. are really hard to photograph. You need a snorkel for that. You, well, but... you, you need a permit. You need somebody <laughs> who can catch the fish or who's got them breeding in a tank. And so, uh, so you don't. You're not messing with cameras underwater or anything? No. No? no? Okay. No. The, uh, the, the fish I've already photographed, um, I worked with Jim Bland, who has a permit, and uh, we sained up the fish and put them in a little tank. I photographed them, and then we released them right back into the water. Okay. But I, I needed to go out with him because he had the permits. Well, you need to get a copy of Carol Freeman's 2019 calendar, um, and uh, she's got a traveling exhibit called Endangered Beauty. Uh, and you can find out about all of this by going to teamgreenweb.org. Um, should we give the carolfreemanphotography.com site as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. You can go yep. there, too. Carol Freeman, spelled F-R-E-E-M-A-N, F-R-E-E-M-A-N, carolfreemanphotography.com, or teamgreenweb.org. Carol, great seeing you again. Seeing Thanks you. for Thank stopping by. Thank you for by. having me on. Uh, Rick DeMaio is going to explain why we had fog uh, frost, whatever that was this morning. Coming up next, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And now for something completely different for the season, the Frozen Robins. Oh, holy night. Late December back in 1 B.C. T'was the night of the nativity. What a baby, what a night. Talented, funny, unique, the Frozen Robins are Chicago's number one caroling group. Exquisite harmonies, madcap improvisation, holiday sketches and characters, even a 10-minute version of It's a Wonderful Life. They are definitely not your mother's carolers. Go to FrozenRobins.com or contact me, Mike, at MikeNovak.net. Because I'm not just a fan of the Frozen Robins, I are one. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please, support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. 
A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. This is in honor of Rick DeMaio. We're beginning to hear about indictments everywhere we go. There are whispers of five to ten, a stretch in the federal pen with former Trump advisors in a row. We're beginning to hear about indictments. No All right, welcome back to the mic. Oh, did we freeze there? Did I did I cause problems with that? I can't, I can't even uh, imagine that that's the case. Uh, Rick, how are you? Sure. Uh oh, uh, the cell. The sounds like the cell line is bad. Let's uh, hold on. Uh, da, 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 da. So who was that? Uh, I've yeah, got a phone. Okay. okay, I can hear you guys. Okay, now I can hear you. You you were breaking yeah. up there. Did, you you were barely there. Did you hear the song? Of course, yeah, I heard okay. the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but I I was listening to you guys. Oh. Um, <laughs> you know, I was at a, I was at a holiday party last night, and it was a bunch of um, well-educated people, people that used to work with at United Airlines. I would say out of the seven people there, five of us had master's degrees, and we were just basically trying our best during the entire six hours. Not to talk about Donald Trump. And it's hard to do, isn't it? Impossible. And there goes and there goes Mike playing a song about indictment. Yeah, well, that was in that was in honor of 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 you. In honor uh, of of me. I did it for you. Yeah, because you're that, that is me and the word indictment cross lanes here. <laughs> for your listening pleasure, let's put. It yeah, that that's way. what it was. It wasn't. Oh, okay, it's, it's it. not about you. It's. It is just it's for you too. Oh, for your, it's not about me. No, it's for but, your but enjoyment. Was, yeah, well, you got to remember um, when I worked at United Airlines, it was it was it was basically meteorologists talking science, and you know that was thirty years ago when we met. Mm-hmm. And these are people that have now you know kind of you know matriculated into different parts of the industry. One of them teaches environmental science at DePaul. Another one uh, does long range forecasting, and it was just. We were all just basically approaching this as the attack on science, the attack on knowledge, the attack on the EPA. It was great that on the drive out that Ryan Zinke from Montana is gone. You know, Scott Fruit is gone. Jeff Session is gone. You know, Rex Tillerson is gone. All these people, like, are gone, and these are the best people, right? You picked the best people. So it was it was really hard for us not to talk about the the assault on education, one of the persons there was a teacher, the assault on the environment, the assault on science, and we were actually trying not to talk about this person, and that's really a sad thing, isn't it? Uh, it kind of is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and by the way, uh, just to give uh, uh, the shout-out, it was for, uh, Sandy and Richard Riccardi do that little ditty 
Uh, oh, nice. And nice. I, yeah, and I, I don't know that. I mean, I found that on uh, my my friend Tom Shepard sent me that uh, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So uh, I get all these goofy things at the holidays. Everybody. Yeah, does. and then and then we were talking also about you know the the validity of social media and Facebook, and we all had to agree that it's there, and you have to figure out how to use it. Yeah, not you do. But it was, I think I think that's where, I don't know if you guys have been to any holiday parties this year, but it seems that that's where the conversation is going. It's not so much, how are your kids? How are you guys doing? It's all about these peripheral things that never used to kind of bleed into the holiday party discussion, right? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. you know, mostly, Rick, I've been Christmas caroling, and it's really hard for me to go, hey, kids, now we're going to sing about Donald Trump. Okay, one, two, three, here we go. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of sad. But, but let's talk about other things. Uh, well, you yeah. The freezing fog. Yeah. Yeah, last, last night I, I drove all the way back from Schaumburg uh, to Chicago, and, and the amount of, of traffic last night, where people were slowing down because not only were the roads a little bit on the icy side, but the fog, I think the visibility was down to a couple of stoplights. Um, especially when you got into the city, it was like, yeah, I can't see more than two streetlights. Yeah, by the lake, Peg, it was unbelievably dense. Yeah, all so the what's side- happening is we had... What's that? Go ahead. I was going to say, all the sidewalks and the streets were so slick last night, just glitter- yeah. glittering yeah, though, in the night- streetlights. Yeah, it was amazing, and I think what we're seeing here is a combination of, you know, clear skies, light winds, a lot of low-level moisture, 15 hours of darkness, but also the ground's got a lot of water in it. You know, remember, we had that inch and a half of rain within the foot of snow in some areas, and we had an inch and a half of rain on top of it, um, and it's hard to really dry out this time of the year unless you got some really windy, warm weather, which we really haven't had, haven't had a lot of wind, so evaporation at the surface has been nil. So a lot of the moisture in the ground just basically tries to get into the atmosphere during the daytime, and then when the winds lighten up, uh, it basically just freezes on contact. So uh, the act of frost does not do that freezing. It's actually water vapor that freezes on contact. Um, and oddly enough, planes have to be de-iced in this type of a situation. You can't you can't leave a plane on the or take a plane off the ground if there's ice on it. So uh, this actually does have some consequence to the airport. Uh, albeit small, but I think the bottom line is it's just really nice weather. I mean, when you have sunshine and 45 degrees in the middle of December on consecutive days on the weekend, mm-hmm. that's pretty good stuff. And this is all basically thanks to El Nino finally get it, getting its act together. We talked about it before where you still need a bunch of things for El Nino to become an impact in the Midwest. We had this huge blocking high over Greenland which was pushing all this cold air. We had that huge warm blob that Peg was referring to over the Gulf of Alaska. So the upper troposphere was basically aligning itself where all the air was pretty much coming out of northern Canada. That is now weakened. And once you begin to see convection, meaning vertical development of big, tall thunderstorms from like south of Hawaii over to uh, the Amazon, once that convection gets going, which is where El Nino generally starts, and it links up with the subtropical jet, and you start to get two big storms going across the U.S., which we had in the last week down across Southern Plains, that basically means that we're beginning to lock into the subtropics, and it keeps the polar jet north. And that's one of the reasons why we've been warm the last week, and we'll be warm for the next two weeks. So we may actually go through the rest of December with temperatures five degrees above normal, as opposed to five degrees below normal where we were in the month of November. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll tell you one thing where it really helps is, 
last night I was caroling at the Morton Arboretum, and uh, the frozen robins are there again tonight. And when it's 40, mm-hmm. 40 degrees and you're standing outside, those people who are coming to see Illumination are really happy people. They're yes. just very happy. Yeah. And they're going to stop and listen. Yeah. They will. Yeah, it really changes. When it's oh, yeah. when it's 17, they're running away and saying, <laughs> we got to go inside. So, But but in addition to that, there, there was no wind last night. Right. There was no wind. And I think I think that's the key more than anything. Oh, yeah, I, I had actually go pick up someone down at Water Tower Place last night. The amount of traffic going into the city was phenomenal. And I hate to say it, guys, but these are some of the economic benefits when you get into a warmer, more variable pattern. You're going to get the cold. You're going to get the snow. But you still have to be able to recognize the fact that when you get really warm weather in the middle of December in Chicago, people like it. Yeah, <laughs> And this is one of the reasons why I know that I, I probably sound like a bad person when I say this, but when I talk to my other fellow colleagues at Loyola, I go, guys, you can't stray away from the fact that when you have these highly variable, warm pockets of air, you have to talk about it. Because if all you're doing is talking about negative, 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 and people go, yeah, but you know what? I like walking three blocks and not feeling cold in the middle of December in Chicago. You have to recognize that, and that's what a true scientist does. You recognize both sides of the story. All right. You said it's going to be warm. Give me like a 15-second forecast right now. Yeah, sure. No problem. Um, mid-40s today, a little bit of a cool front comes through. Mid, uh, mid-30s tomorrow and Tuesday, maybe some rain or snow by the end of the week. But we're still looking for a major shift back to cold and snowy weather by the first week of January. So enjoy the next two weeks. <laughs> okay, thanks, Rick. Talk to you next week. Sure. I want okay, to thank Nick Mink and Carol Freeman for coming in today, all the people who called and won. Ellie, Randall, it's a wonderful slice. It's next week. Until then, go green or go home. Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. 